So, so I think we'll go March 1st because it's like technically going on at the time we're recording the podcast. So, Justin, or do you want to? How dare, how dare <laughs> you link into the American media trope? And I want you to start recording now so people get my rants about this. How dare you link into the American media trope of relegating Formula One and open wheel racing as less important than conventional sports? I am shocked and appalled, and I'll let you do it because I know it's what the people want. There we go. <laughs> All right. We welcome to just time. The time. What's that? Welcome to Just in the Nick of Time, where we will have time uh, for open wheeled racing after we get past the March Madness, because this is March and this is mayhem, baby. Uh, I think that was an all-state tagline a couple of years ago, but here we yeah, are. It was. The, the March Madness commercials have been pretty good this year. I I think they've been solid. Um, I'm very happy that we've seen less of uh, Charles Barkley, Samuel L. Jackson, and Spike Lee. Not because I don't enjoy those commercials, but because those commercials ran their course a good three years ago. Like they, They're still churning out new ones, but thank God the pandemic ran them out of ideas. So we're doing good so, there. Well, there's the weird one about um is it gloria knight and the pips where they sing midnight train to georgia yes it's like great song always happy for some good gloria knight content it's gladys knight gladys knight i'm sorry i don't know my rmb as well as i should have my girlfriend does a trivia thing at her college and they did motown and i thought i knew motown and then i did not when she asked me the question she had to write for it so gladys knight uh the third place finisher in the b costume on season one of the mass singer Hmm. You know, I do I do like that the mask singer has realized they should put real singers in masks and not just like Terry Bradshaw looking like a fun moose. You know what I mean? That's an upgrade. I've still never seen the masked singer, but their commercials have gotten better. All you really need to watch are just the reveals on YouTube just to see who who said yes to them. Because it's such right. a random list every single season of who says yes, like who needs this to get on TV. And that's what I found find fascinating about the show. Like I tried to play along one year where I like would watch the clues and try to make guesses. I don't know. I don't know enough about celebrities to even think about what clue, what their clues might be. I just like seeing who they drag out of the pits of hell to dance in a hot costume on TV for our entertainment. So inexplicably at the Lincoln Journal star I don't know why but there were massive promotional boards for the masked singer just sitting there and there were like here's here's a spot on this board for all the staff to put their guesses and there oh, were never God. any guesses <laughs> that's that's the best story I can tell about the masked singer <laughs> is that like we we had the perfect opportunity to interact with this thing we actively chose not to that is glorious. Yeah. I have no idea how I got to the newsroom, who brought it there, if it was like a corporate thing of like they wanted to advertise. The, like, I, I have no idea why it was there, but it was. And it freaked me out every time I left at night because it was like there was like a little spot at the base of this thing to put guesses on weeks. But at the like the, the top of this structure was just a massive 
like cardboard cutout of one of their freakish creations. Oh, which one was it? It was a big egg-headed guy. Ah, the egg. I I don't remember who it is. So I'm I'm just gonna watch the reveal right now, and we'll see if it pays off comedic comedically or not. <laughs> without without knowing who it is. We're not watching the clues. Any idea who's desperate enough to need an egg costume to get on television? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to look this up so we can we can watch it together. Okay. Mm. Oh, no. I you just stepped it? into who it was. You know what? It checks out. It really does. <laughs> I didn't actually watch the reveal. I know they, they do that stupid thing where they put the person's name in the title of the video, which ruins the surprise, but yeah, checks out. So <laughs> yeah, I like how respectful we're being about not spoiling season two of the Masked Singer. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's, it's kind of a niche person anyway, like, you know, yeah, so <laughs> Look it up on your own time, because I don't think it really paid off comedically. But it really makes a lot of sense. It really does. Like, when you just think about who would be desperate enough for this. Because you think of something like this. I'm willing to bet that he called them. They didn't call him. Mm -mm. (laughs) He begged. (laughs) He begged, borrowed, and stole. This podcast brought to you by the strange cherry candies from Casey's. Casey's. Justin, can like... you chewing these? Yes. Casey's okay. is like slowly taking over the Midwest. As it should. It's... That's that's the only reasonable solution to I think all of our problems. Yeah, because what honestly are our other gas stations going to give you that Casey's can't do better? Would you say you agree with the contention that Casey's is famous for pizza? absolutely not here's here's why i think it rings true if i just say the words gas station what gas station do you think of um you stop because there's one right outside my work you stop's great i think of getting split because it's the best name wow florida state's running away with this they are i I think they can give Michigan a run for their money in the next round. But again, I've already established that I have known nothing about how this is going to play out so far. I just have no faith in Michigan. I don't either. You you might take that to mean Michigan the team. And I actually just mean Michigan the state. No faith in anything from Michigan. I have mad faith in the universe, though. Feel free to at me. What's up? I have mad faith in the Youpers, though. Where are the Youpers from? The Upper Peninsula of Michigan. The fact that's that Michigan... Canada. No. Nope. I love that's America. Canada. That's technically Canada. Like, there's this part in Washington that you can literally only get to by driving through Canada. It's hilarious that America has like these random places that we just are like, "Hey, this is ours now." <laughs> Well, what I remember hearing once is that, like, things were pretty chill until, like, the 1980s. And then the Reagan administration and the Bush administration, like, super tightened borders everywhere. 
not just like the one you'd expect, but also Canada. And so it becomes really hard for some of these people because it's like cut off from the rest of the United States. Um, so they have to go through customs because there's a hard border now. So yeah, fun times. I'm hoping USC beats Kansas because who isn't? I I was so ready for Kansas to lose to Jonah Hill and his awkward looking brother on Eastern Washington's basketball team. They were down like 10 in the first half. And yet Kansas came back to win because there is no joy allowed in the world. But <laughs> yeah, so, so walk us walk us through your thoughts so far, Justin, and then I'll, I'll add a little addendum and we can uh, we, we can just kind of call March Madness covered. Yes. All right. As as I think you can gather from the opinions I've spoused on this show, I am absolutely the person who watches March Madness for the first two days of the tournament where yep. we can see the highest seeds possible try to win the games. Like, I am all about the upset. What I do before March Madness is, uh, you know, I follow, like, the top of college basketball. Like, you know, I check scores. I'll watch it if there's nothing else that grabs my attention on and I have time to watch something on live network television. But what I really get passionate about is two weeks before the tournament, when all these small conferences like the Summit Leagues and the Northeast Conference have their tournaments, and I just binge watch those, and I pick like half of the winners of those conferences to win their first round games. I had Winthrop in the Elite Eight this year because they were 25-1 and one and a 12 seed, and I felt that was very disrespectful. They lost in the first round. But <laughs> after uh, the last tournament we had in 2019, the carnage that happened on the first two days was two 12 seeds won and the 13 seed won, and none of them won their second round games. This year, we had a 12 seed, two 13 seeds, a 14 and a 15, all advanced to the second round. And I am 100% here for all of that, even if it's not the 15 seed I predicted. But, <laughs> or the 14 seed, I was so ready to take a victory lap about Colgate. You have no idea, but... You really picked – I think you cursed those teams. Like, your upsets were the only upsets that didn't go through. Yeah. I mean, I had Iona over uh, Alabama because of Rick Patino, you know, the Italian mob boss who took recruits to strip clubs and still has a job. Uh, so, I mean, he must be pretty good if he still has a job and did something dumb like that, right? Absolutely. So I had Iona. I had Colgate. uh I had I did have Ohio over Virginia, so that's my one victory lap. But I had the Gauchos over Creighton, and, and uh, that didn't work out. Every red-blooded Nebraskan did. Yes. Oh man, I was so let down. Should have been a foul. Yep. Yep. I agree. Also, the people who what was that game last night that was controversial? Oh, Abilene Christian versus Texas. Yes. That was absolutely a foul and i don't know why people on twitter were questioning whether or not the last play of that game was a foul and number, like, and also why why are you complaining about a call if it benefits the 14 seed because you're a texas fan i think that was the or or because you're like a big 12 reporter who feels the need to support the big 12 because let's be real power fives are having a rough go of it and watching RCFB be like, yo, 
this is proof that you should give um like non-conference or non-power five teams a shot like i actually think that's a fairly compelling argument yes because imagine if from the whole like men's college basketball field they only picked four teams oh it would have been terrible yeah like i mean i get that basketball is you know a different sport than football but like here's the thing about the ncaa tournament if you look at like other ncaa sports specifically like the olympic sports and like the lesser known stuff heck i just covered the the ncaa wrestling tournament there was a number 32 seed who was wrestling on day three of that tournament, they have these tournaments in every college sport have an insane amount of, of at-large bids, and that's what makes them so fun. Like there is no reason that we need 68 teams to determine the best team, but it is so fun that we do. Yeah. It's actually super interesting when you look at the data of it, because it's like I remember seeing a 538 piece or somebody did a piece a few years ago that was like. March Madness is literally probably the worst way you could come up with to decide what is the best basketball team in the land, right? If you wanted to do it right, you would either create a regional format that had a round robin, or you would make it like the World Cup and split people into groups and then split into like a playoff of 16 teams and either play series or play on aggregate. I think aggregate could could be super interesting in basketball, um, like, can you imagine aggregating scores from two games and whoever's ahead after two games wins? Like, that would be pretty cool. I, I would love to see garbage time basketball become intensely meaningful for, like, reasons that aren't gambling related. So that would be fun. But yeah. So you mentioned how you're the guy who watches for the first two days of the tournament. Yes. And while I enjoy that... <laughs> Long-time listeners of the podcast uh, will know that I am a storylines guy, right? Like, that is far more compelling to me than actually following every single dribble of every single game and, like, breaking down the analytics. Like, that stuff can be fun and interesting. But what I'm really here for is, like, okay, call me when these teams get into the Elite Eight and get into the final four. Then then I'm fascinated. <laughs> Oral Roberts, I think, has become, and I, I know we, we have a little side, side tangent yes. planned on Oral Roberts, but, like, their storyline is fascinating to me. Oh, absolutely. Already. And if they can win another game, which I think they can, it's not, like, it, that's the weirdest thing about having so many low seeds break through is like we just watched Abilene Christian play UCLA. Yes. No one prepared for this eventuality. Nobody thought what a UCLA team might look like against an Abilene Christian team. Who the hell knows how to adjudicate an 11 seed versus a 14 seed? We never see it. Dude, Abilene Christian, as somebody who's like tangentially connected to Abilene, that's, that school was like a glorified community college. And to see that tiny little D2 school, Lil Abilene Christian, get their first tournament win before Nebraska is both depressing and hilarious. But the fact that they did it against Texas, and I just know how pissed Texas fans, and specifically like Texas boosters, are. Yeah. 
about that, that little Abilene Christian, like imagine people in Abilene surrounded by Texas fans, like they're, the, those Texas fans will never hear the end of this. I, I did see a really, really funny tweet that was like, gee, I bet none of these Abilene Christian fans cheer for Texas football. No. I mean, no, I'm saying that's inevitable. Like, of yes. course they do. And so it's like super funny because it's a lot like Jaskers for me. Mm-hmm. Like you've got a basketball school and a football school, which I think is reasonable. But when they're like in the same state and basketball rivals, eh, you know, um, I also think you mentioned and, and Creighton has just gone to the Sweet 16 and they're singing this tale of how like, you know, what a Cinderella they are for no, making it that far. That's not a Cinderella at all. Nope. You beat what? You beat a 12 seed because you were a five seed. You should have lost to the 12 seed if they called a foul on that last layup. Yep. And then today they beat who? 13 seed Ohio. They they wrecked the dreams. Cause I think like if you wanted the good story, Cinderella, like if you wanted the the team, the Cinderella that you felt compelled to root for. It was this Ohio team, you know, their, their point guard, Jalen Preston, having the tournament run of his life after the death of his mother is like, you know, the stuff movies are made of, you know, exactly. If we were going to get a Hoosiers out of this tournament, it was going to be that. Yes. But no, it's Creighton and they, they don't like fun. Exactly. So I don't really know what else to say about this tournament other than Golly, it's fun. And I think the people who are looking, the more deeply you look into this at this point, and more importantly, the more tied you are to your bracket at this point, the less fun you're, you're going to have, oh, right? How can anybody still care about their bracket at this point? We I just don't know. had a 15 seed, a 12 seed, and eight seed punch their tickets to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Is this the most, it's got to be in a long time, the most double digit seeds or like plus five seeds that have made it to the elite eight, right? I think, I think plus five in double digits, probably like, I know there was one year where the final four was like five seed Butler, seven seed UConn and 11 seed VCU. How do we feel about, because I picked this Gonzaga team to win in one of my brackets. I picked Baylor in the other one because, like, no one else is ever going to pick Baylor and it's a pool of, like, 90 people. So it felt like a good idea to just be like, hey, I'm going to roll with, like, the one that no one will pick, but it's still a one seed. How do you you feel about that whole Gonzaga? Well, what does the long term of this look like for you? Okay. Well, here's my caveat. I have never in my official bracket of what I think will happen in all my years of predicting brackets. This goes back to like first grade. I have never picked the national champion, right? So, so that's a very important note before I give my opinion, but Gonzaga is a team that I pick almost every time there are one seed because I mean, I'm the guy who roots for the little guy. Gonzaga is a team that was a Cinderella and just never went away until it became what it sought out to destroy. So right. I think that's fun. And <laughs> so I picked so that. I think that's fun. Oh my God. I love that. It became what it sought to destroy. And I think that's fun. This is the high quality content people come for. It's just random ish Justin says. 
I mean, like they are living the dream of every single non-Power 5 basketball or football program out there. Like the fact that somebody became like a credible blue blood just by like sure plucky stick and just like never losing ever. It's insane. Look at this kid on ESPN. Jesus. Oh, like I know some mid-major heads hate Gonzaga because of that, but no, I embrace them. The Gonzaga Zags are one of the biggest basketball powerhouses in the country. Like they didn't get the head start that these universities had. Nope. So I picked them because I like them and they have, uh, they have never won a national championship, but I think this is their best team yet. Undefeated, legit, like solid NBA draft prospects down the line and a very good non-conference schedule, which is something that a lot of even power five teams this year cannot say. And obviously they've won all of them. So. And just like very handily took out a com- a competent Oklahoma team. Yes. Um, that Oklahoma team was a popular eight over one. Yeah. Cause every year there's at least one, like eight or nine seed over a one seed. We just had one this year with Loyola Chicago part two sister jeans revenge. So we <laughs> Loyola part two electric boogaloo. Um, yeah, sister, sister Jean's revenge. I the Catholic schools, it must be said, have showed up this March. Catholic and Christian schools have just pulled up all the upsets. J- Jesus has been working hard on the hardwood lately. Uh, Justin, what's the biggest thing you're watching for with the rest of March Madness? Uh, I want Loyola to win everything unless Gonzaga wins it all because (laughs) that's literally it Uh, of all the most of the Cinderella's have lost their second round games Uh, Oregon State they are a 12 seed they are I guess a good story because they were picked second to last preseason to in the conference and just had a miracle conference tournament run like you know how Nebraska fans you know when we have like a team that's not as bad as this year's team, but still pretty bad. You know, you still watch the conference tournament just in case yeah. they figure everything out and win it all. And Oregon State is that team, but I don't root for them because they fouled wall up three to win the conference championship game. And I don't root for any team that does that. So <laughs> you let them what? shoot their shot from deep. You don't foul them and send them to the line. When the shot clock is turned That's the off. the only reasonable option. No. Be a man and, and let them shoot. No, no, no. Because then, then you get the chance at the whole crazy bang board back to the shooter dunk madness. That's like the onside kick of basketball. Hilarious I when know. it works. Everyone wants to see that work. No, everyone wants the- to see a buzzer beating three to tie it. That's not the onside kick of basketball. That's the like frantic hook and ladder kickoff return of basketball. It happens a lot less frequently and it's super impressive. It requires mad athleticism to do that. It's it's hilarious though. Like when teams try to do the intentional miss, I think yeah. a good 75% of the time they make the one they plan to miss and miss the one they plan to make. It is hilarious yep. how consistently they do that. Yep. Totally agree. One of the most impressive things I've ever seen, and this was in just like a high school basketball game years ago that I was watching um, on television, 
my parents had both left the room because it looked like a foregone conclusion because the kid had missed the first free throw and they were down two. This kid shoots. There's like 10 seconds left. So it's not like dire, dire, oh my God time, right? The kid misses the second free throw. And this, like, this point guard just very smartly positions himself right at the arc as soon as that second free throw is missed. This giant center grabs it up, lobs it at him, and the kid just absolutely old school swish, beautiful to tie the game and send it to overtime. And that team lost in overtime, but getting there was 100% of the fun. The thing I'm watching is Oral Roberts. And for for more Oral Roberts history, which uh, Justin graciously agreed to compile, uh, I actually, I called my mom, actually she called me. My mom called me earlier today. And I said, how about this damn tournament? And she said, yeah, crazy, geez, everything's blowing up. And I said, right. Um, how about this Oral Roberts team? And she said, yeah, crazy. And I was like, yeah, I didn't realize they were started by a televangelist. And she's like, you don't know who Oral Roberts is? I was like, how the hell? Mom, I'm a 21-year-old college kid. Why do you expect me to know who Oral Roberts was? I'm just laughing that someone named their kid Oral. No, that's his middle name that he chose to go by. His first name was Granville, which if you're going to go by your middle name and your middle name's Oral, Granville is the first name that would make you do that. I mean, yeah, that's a real Sophie's choice. Oh, jeez. Okie dokie. Um, that is not, not attractive in any way. Oh my God. Well, tell us more about young Granville Oral Roberts and his work and his subsequent grifting. Oh, Oral Roberts. Uh, so he, as we've established, is a televangelist and even by televangelist standards, he pulled off one of the craziest just fundraising scams I have ever seen in my life. I think 1983 is the year. I'm not 100% confident on that, but it's in the ballpark of 83. He goes on his little program in January, and he says, if, if I don't raise $8 million by March 31st, God will personally end my life. <laughs> what? Yes. He goes on TV and says that God will call him home unless his supporters can round up $8 million, which will be enough to show God that they care enough to keep him alive on earth. And he made $9.1 million out of it. That's such a specific... Like... like that that number, uh, as Bomani Jones pointed out, uh, almost certainly came from his like creditors and accountants. Like, there's no way he pulled that out of thin air. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. He's <laughs> like, no one just says like God told me eight, right? God's gonna yeah. give you a number. It's gonna be three or seven or twenty-one, mm-hmm. maybe fourteen, maybe forty-two, maybe maybe forty. Yeah. But even God realizes that $40 million is too much to ask. <laughs> yep. 
or 49 because that's seven times seven yes Welcome back to We Went with We Went to Catholic School, a segment on Justin Nick Time. Oh god. And thus conclude. Oh gosh. Uh now to be the guy who talks about the weird dream he had. Uh St. Peter's did appear in my dream last night. It was really weird because uh I, I was on the run for some reason, and I'm like, oh no, I need to hide somewhere. And I just happened to be running by St. Peter's. I'm like, oh, this is not ideal, but it'll give me a place to hide. So I run and then I'm I'm by the I'm running like in the hallway past the gym and uh the, everyone's in there for an assembly. I don't see any of this. I just hear it where this man is doing a very terrible rendition of the rap song all the way up, but he's censoring all the swear words with Jesus. <laughs> and I'm trying to open the door, but my hand falls asleep and I can't open it. <laughs> And then I wake up with my hand asleep. Well, I mean, some of that tracks logically. Yes. Jesus. And that ends the segment of We Went to Catholic School. But Oral Roberts, uh, uh, as part of his televangelist grift, uh, he would do faith healing, which is where, you know, somebody says they're sick and he will heal them through the power of God through him. And he decided that a way to use his self-proclaimed faith healing powers would be, this is after he started the university, uh, to go up to future basketball legend Moses Malone on a recruiting visit and say that he would heal his mother's ulcer if he would commit to Oral Roberts University and was promptly kicked out of the house. (laughs) Well, I mean... I think you've got it backwards, buddy. If you have the power, just heal her right then and there. And of course he's going to sign. Like, <laughs> Oh, man. And now, well, uh, 12 years later, after his death, his university has a basketball team good enough to be Ohio State in Florida. And they're a really fun team. I take umbrage with that. I take umbrage with the idea that they're good enough to beat Ohio State in Florida. No, they're not. They're just getting mad lucky. Like, no, Max Osmus is a legitimately NBA caliber player who just slipped I, by so many people. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Osmus is really good. But I think every team has a couple of players where it's like, oh, man, if they just got super hot and happened to get really lucky and got all of their shot, like, if Nebraska could get every single one of its shots to fall every single game, and if, like, Quidrago and Thorir Thorbinarsson just, like, really dug, like, mad Herculean deep, we could beat Michigan, right? It would not shock you if, like, in the middle of the year, Nebraska, Nebraska won one game over Michigan because they got hot and Michigan was cold. Heck, we almost beat one seed Illinois before we had the worst final possession of any basketball team ever. Exactly. Exactly. And so, like. We beat Rutgers by 20. What's that? We beat Rutgers by 20 and Rutgers darn near made the sweet 16. Exactly. These are statistical anomalies, but they're not so anomalous that, like, we shouldn't consider them like 
part of the norm of a system that we've put together, not to crown the best basketball team in the land, but to have a lot of fun finishing out a season and, and probably crowning a really good team. I, I will I will gamble. I, I will wager that in at least 50% of the last 20 March Madnesses, if you played it in a way that made more sense, if you played it World Cup style, or if you played it with like a semi-regional, or, or particularly I think what would make sense is if you played series instead of single games, the champions of at least 50 of those 50% of those would be different. Right? It's just oh, not yeah. it's not how it's 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 the worst way we could possibly come up with. But, but like all these teams are starting from different places though. Like Oral Roberts comes from the Summit League. Like Nebraska plays a Big 10 schedule. We will have faced top teams before we get to Michigan. This is like Oral Roberts's first crack at the big boys and then and they play their best possible basketball like it's still insane that a team like that can do that totally crazy not taking away from what oral roberts is doing i'm just i'm just saying that people are like wow or the system at oral roberts must be so good it's like well there's probably some of that but let's not deny that like a lot of it is luck a lot of the reason is like seeding sucked this year. I think oh, at yeah. this point, we're all looking around and saying to ourselves like Oral Roberts was almost certainly eight seed caliber. Oh yeah. Like I watched them in higher. the Summit League tourney. I would have picked them in the first round because I just loved Osmus so much. Had they not been a 15 seed up against Ohio State who was looking really good at that point. Well, Looked really good, but here's the other thing. We didn't see, because of COVID, we didn't see nearly enough cross-conference competition no not at all which which i mean did we were the big 10 teams weren't allowed to play anyone outside the conference right oh i i think we like dipped our toes in it i think there still was the big 10 acc challenge nebraska Uh, played don you know right but but nothing meaningful enough where you could say this conference as a whole has a resume against this conference as a whole nothing like that no right (sighs) wow USC is just tearing through Kansas right now. We'll see if that stands, but that's fun. The Pac-12 might be the best conference in basketball. (laughs) I swear to God. Question, though. Is it or is it getting lucky? Or is it – here's an interesting thing. In a COVID season, the Big Ten had a lot of COVID problems and thus forced a lot of teams like – Nebraska would have won more games if it weren't for its COVID issues, right? If we hadn't had to condense the schedule so much, if we hadn't had to work the hell out of the guys, is it possible that because the Pac-12 universities have been like, I think throughout the season in all collegiate sports and just in the news, you're hearing a lot less about COVID issues in the Pac-12 than you are in the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the Big East and the Summit and whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Also, not for nothing... But, like, when you told me Oregon didn't have to play VCU, yeah, that, that would have been a tough game. That would have been an exhausting game. And instead, they got to sit back and plan to play one of two teams. Who, and, and it like, was Iowa against Grand Canyon, 
Grand Canyon's like an online school that has a basketball team. So, right. So you can you can pretty well expect expect to play Iowa. So instead of stressing yourself out and having to play VCU, you now get a day off, which in this tournament everything's so packed together. That's a huge advantage. And you get to prep for Iowa for 24 more hours than you would have gotten regularly. That's a massive, massive advantage. And, yeah, they showed it. They won by, like, 20. It's, yeah, ex- exactly. I think that Oregon was probably underseeded. Yes. And, like, could have beaten Iowa without that. But part of the reason they looked so convincing was that, that extra time, right? Like, this little rant is going to be posthumously called there's a method to the madness. But what I'm saying is like people sit back and they're like, this is unexplainable. And that's what makes it fun. And I contend that, no, this is all perfectly explainable when you just kind of sit back and think about it. Like, and yes, of course I'm coming with the benefit of hindsight. No, of course I did not pick oral Roberts to beat Ohio state. But when you look back and you think about that theory of the case, it's like, I don't know if there was any way for us to see it. But when you watch how it played out, nothing was like, oh, some true act of God happened, right? It's also like the psychology of March Madness is interesting because we numerate teams so distinctly, Mm -hmm. right? And we have these thoughts of like, oh, there's always a 10 over 7. Sometimes there's a 15 over 2, but no one's ever going to pick it because it's so unlikely that you pick the right one. Yeah, and like... I only picked one, even though I liked multiple 15 seeds, because there's no way there's going to be two. Oh, nope. And the cost-benefit analysis of picking against a two seed is, is so in favor of just picking the two seed and moving on, which was correct three out of four times this time, and is usually correct four out of four times, right? We've got something that must be like a plus 90% correct rate of picking two seeds, right? Yes. There was that one year where two 15 seeds won, but other than that anomaly. Yeah. Also, like, what what March Madness is really bad at is crowning an eventual champion. What it's really very good at is picking the best 64 to 68 teams and being like, these are all of the teams who could possibly deserve a shot, right? There was a lot of talk about, like, Duke, if whether or not Duke would just get slid in there as a 16 seed just to see what happens. And while I think that would have been, like, interesting on a thought experiment level, I, I would not say Oral Roberts wouldn't beat Duke right now. Yeah. Right? I would definitely put money on Oral Roberts. But, but still, even with that thing, there's still, like, mid-majors getting screwed just because their conference has the reputation of a one-bid league. Like, yep. if if you tear through your conference the entire season, but just have an off night in your conference tournament and you play in like the colonial athletic conference, no one's going to look at you for the tournament. Even if you're like 24 and two, if one of your losses just happened to be at the wrong time. Right. And so it's weird. I think it's going to be interesting to see if this trend, which I think we've seen a little, a little bit of in the last few years, right? Loyal Chicago is a testament to, Power fives, not only not having, like, not being sure that the champion's going to come from a power five is, like, a standard philosophy now, right? Yes. But 
I think we might want to sit back and ask ourselves, like, hmm, if I just give you generic Big East team against generic Big Ten team, who are you really picking, though? Yeah. Because, like, Syracuse and what's a mid-tier? Syracuse and Iowa? Sure looks Syracuse right now. And so it's going to be interesting to see, like, is this is this a COVID thing where smaller schools who didn't have to craft their COVID policies around a lot of athletics seriously, basketball only schools, how much does it help? How much does it help Kansas that they don't care about their football team? Right? And and teams like Duke, who Duke and Kentucky this year, who had several star players opt out halfway through because, you know, their teams were not like top tier contenders and they wanted to not risk their health playing unpaid basketball when they are almost certainly lottery picks. Yep. Right. I think one and done's are just not going to be a thing anymore. I think either the NBA is going to have to step in and be like, Hey, this is a system so bad for our development that we don't want it to exist anymore. Or the NCAA is going to say, if you play one year, you play three. The NBA has already dipped their toe in that water with the new NBA G League team, just an NBA-owned brand. It's not tied to a city or organization called Ignite, which plays in the G League. And its primary function is to take kids out of high school who don't want to go to college and get them like professional basketball jobs right away and a year to hone their skills against players who are borderline NBA caliber. Right. Which probably makes it just... It makes the NCAA product a lot less awesome. But, wow, USC is really pulling away here. Damn. Oh. I hope it's for real this time. Oh, and uh, Kansas head coach Bill Self coached at Oral Roberts. Who knew? Huh. Um, oh, oh, oh. We have to reopen. We went to Catholic school corner. Not okay. because necessarily it's, it's anything related to Catholicism, just the school we went to. So today on Twitter, when Oregon beat Iowa, I tweeted, um, so because Oregon's coach, who's from Wilbur, Nebraska. Czech he, capital of the world, besides the Czech Republic. Exactly. Other than Prague. Um, <laughs> Prague is too on the nose with its city name. Wilbur's more of a more no, no, community no. ground. I'm talking about Prague in the Czech Republic, not there Prague, we go. Nebraska, which I think is pronounced Prague here. I think that's on brand for us, and I will go with it. Yeah, yeah. At least I've heard many people pronounce it Prague. Um, maybe From the makers saying, of Beatrice comes Prague. The, the, the story of why Beatrice is Beatrice is really interesting. And normally I wouldn't tell it, but we're rambling today. So what the hell? Um, there was a there was a colonel or something in the U.S. Army who helped form like the settlement of Beatrice when it first came together because there were a bunch of homesteads in the area because it's a it's a fertile area. Beatrice is not a town that exists for any reason <laughs> other than golly, it's kind of pretty down there. Right? Like there's some night, there are some trees, but there's not too many trees. There are some rivers, but there's not too many rivers. Like the first homesteader in Nebraska got to Beatrice and was like, yeah, this will do. And now we have a national monument there. But anyway, when they incorporated Beatrice, they were going to name it after this, this like U.S. Army official. And he was like, eh, 
my name doesn't make a whole lot of sense for a town. It's like Thompson or Johnson or something silly like that. Just like, you know, why would you call a town Thompson? Why don't we name it after my daughter? Now, his daughter's name was Beatrice. But Beatrice was precocious. Um, This is the exact word that is used to describe her in wherever I read this story once upon a time. I assume at the uh at the the national monument um beatrice was precocious and didn't like the name beatrice so she requested that her name be pronounced as beatrice i'm also possibly mauling this story because i used to work in beatrice but it's been a couple of years um anyway beatrice went by beatrice and thus demanded that the town be pronounced beatrice it's or um, in Beatrice instead of Beatrice. And so that's why it's known as Beatrice. That, that's like the redneck version of that Key and Peel substitute teacher sketch. It really is. That's a very good <laughs> comparison. All right. I am all marched out. Oh, no. Finish the, the, the tangent you were on before. About- oh, right. So I, so I tweet about, thank you for helping me here. I'm sorry. I'm getting very, very rambly and mostly watching this game. Um, I tweet about this and I say, by the transitive property, has Nebraska beaten Iowa? And can we claim victory here? And then I said, I don't really know. I never paid attention in math class. Or no, I never did very well in math class. And then... Uh, or one of our teachers at Pius, I don't know if you ever ha- ever had him, Alex Adams. I was aware of Mr. Adams. I'd never had him. Mr. Adams was a really good guy and like the only math teacher I ever liked, which is high praise because you're starting way behind as a math teacher for me. Um, Alex Adams like likes my tweet and then is like, you didn't fight in math class. <laughs> which is just a huge ego boost to be like wow easily my worst subject and this teacher didn't hate me that's pretty rad so shout out to mr adams you taught me algebra two and you started way behind because i paid no attention in algebra one or geometry and yet y- you know what he's right i pulled like a solid b plus both semesters in that class so thank thank you alex adams anyway That's block A, baby.